Thank you. And in a minute, Tom will tell you in a wee minute to put that up if that's okay. So um, I'm not purposefully breaking the rules. My foot hurts. Uh, but also, I do slightly want to break the rules. Um, I've got no fancy way of introducing what we're going to spend the next little while doing. I'm actually going to ask you guys, can you see the stage? Or stage, not stage. Can you see that? Okay, yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay. I'm just going to be very honest and say, high life has been, not my life has been in general, but uh, I have this sense of, for a long time, Previously, I was quite bored with being a Christian, and um, really bored, actually. And if you'd said to me, what is the good news, I could have probably managed, well, if you die, you're not going to hell. Um, and that was kind of it. And something happened to me about eight, year, eight or nine years ago, and it really changed everything for me. But it wasn't at that point that, right, that's it, everything's sorted. It was the start of something that has changed the rest of my life. And I have really close friends here in the church, and we have spent hours and hours over the last few years when life has come up with stuff, and we've just gone, what the heck is this? What is this? Why do we believe this? What is, is God even good at times? And, and I'm just going to say to you now and to all of those friends who are here, I am grateful for every single conversation that we have had because every single part of those conversations brought me closer to God. And you don't even realize that he's did it, but he's did. And what I want to do today, one of the biggest things that has changed for me is you see the Bible. This is my Bible, right? That was a book that I would hardly have looked at because I knew every story that you could possibly know in it and I didn't think there was anything more you could change. There's nothing you could do in it that would surprise me, nothing. God couldn't speak to me because I already knew it all. And I know how arrogant that sounds, but that is how I felt. I knew it all. But about eight years ago, I realized that I actually did not know this God at all. And I sat listening to somebody speak somewhere, and I, I'll tell you a bit about it later, but at the end of three days of like two hour, one hour talks, I realized that I sat there and I went, what she's saying sounds like good news to people that I know. And then I went, good news, that's what they call the Bible, good news. And I had been a Christian 20 odd years before I realized that it was actually good news. And I want to share a story with you today because this is from the Bible. This doesn't need me to preach a 40-minute sermon. This is from the Bible. This is God's Word. It is a story which 2,000 years ago was great. You see, today it's even better. It's even better. So we're going to start this story now, and I'm going to put it up here. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a few, a few sentences, a few verses of the story as we go along. And after every few sentences, I'm just going to give you little tidbits that don't necessarily come up in your Bible and won't necessarily be really clear when you're just reading it. And it's not that you need a theology degree or anything to do it. You can just use different versions and you can use an app on your phone. But I want you to look at this and I want to bring something out. And then we're just going to ask some questions along the way. Okay? Because the biggest thing that I want us to get out of today is that there is really good news in this. But if we try to get it ourselves without the power of the Holy Spirit, we miss it, okay? And it is the best gift that you can get, knowing what God has sent you. Honestly, it's brilliant, right? So, Tom, can you put it up? So, it's in English, and I hope it's in... Is this the right language? Can you read it? Yes, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Is it okay? Brilliant. Okay. 
So that's an important thing, actually. You know, we all want to be able to read this together. So this is a story that entitled in your Bible, and if you want to look at it in your Bible, you can. It's called, it's The Road to Emmaus. And just to set it in context, what's happened is Jesus has been crucified on the Friday. He's been buried. Saturday has happened, and we're at Sunday. We're not at Sunday morning. We're Sunday afternoon somewhere. Now, we know, we know that something happened on Sunday morning, but just at the start of this story, the people at the start of this story, they don't know, okay? So we're going to start reading, and I'm just going to read it out, okay? So verse 13, oh, I'm still at yet, verse 13 to verse 17. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and as they walked, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Now, the followers who are in this story, it tells you a wee bit later on, one of them's called Cleopas, and we actually don't really know who they were, but when somebody's named in the Bible, it's usually in this part of the Bible, it's kind of when the stories are being told a few years later, they'll say, you know, the ones who were walking, you know, Cleopas, because somebody will probably know who Cleopas is. Um, so there were people who actually knew Jesus quite well. So ancient um, stories that have been passed down from that part of the world actually think that these two people were relatives of Jesus. But regardless of that, they were people who knew him quite well. It says, if you notice in it, it starts to say, can we put it back on a wee second? So, because I want you to be able to see it. As they were walking along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Then it goes to they were talking and disgust. So it gets to the, no, actually, we're really quite into this. But you see when it gets to the, Jesus comes and he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? It really is quite involved at this stage because the word that they use for that is a word that literally means throwing words back and forwards at each other. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation with a friend, maybe one or two of you, and you're really into a discussion. And it's just like, da 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 that's what was going on here. That was the intensity of that discussion. And if we go, do we get to, if we go back up a bit, Tom, the last bit says, they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. They literally came to an abrupt halt. And the word's actually really mournful, so these guys looked really upset. It was quite clear to whoever was there, whatever this discussion was, it was not good, and they were really, really upset. Now let's go on here, and we're going to read the next bit now. So verse 18 to 21. Then one of them, Cleopas, always remember of the names usually there for a reason, replied, you must be the only person in the whole of Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. 
keep going, go back up to the other one. <laughs> the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God. And all, let me just say, and all the people. But our leading priests and our other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. So just go back to that and just two things I want to point out there. Do you get the impression that they know him well or not from how they're describing him? Or they, do they look, look like observers or people who've been walking along with them for maybe three years? Any ideas? Observers? Close friends? Not, not particularly close, is it? Feel free to shout things out, okay? And another thing about this is just at the very end it says, we had hoped he was the Messiah. Now, this translation is the New Living Translation, okay? They didn't actually say that. What they said was, he was the one who we hoped for. They didn't even, at that point, they weren't even calling him the Messiah. Two chapters before, he was the Messiah. People were referring to him that. At this point, on the road, on Sunday afternoon, he was not even the Messiah. They couldn't even bring themselves to say that. Let's go on to verse 22 to 24. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they'd seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman said. Now, a better translation of the amazing report is actually bewildering. That's a bit more accurate. It was a bewildering report. It wasn't an amazing, hey, something great's happened. It was a, we do not get this. And when we go on down a little bit, you see that lovely exclamation, Jesus is alive. That's a bit of literary license as well, because there, there, it, wasn't, it didn't say that. It just said that Jesus was alive. Now, usually when there's an exclamation or a yay, you'll get a little word fitted in, usually low. It wasn't there. It's not there. It's Jesus is alive. So reading this, you get the idea that it might be quite exciting. When they're repeating this, when I read this, they're not excited. <laughs> And at the end of it, some of our men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. And that's another thing just worth bearing in mind. In this translation, it doesn't give you the rest of the sentence. I'm not sure why. But the rest of the sentence, or if you put it a better way, what it actually said was, it was just as the woman had said, but we didn't find Jesus. So it actually changes the whole sense of what has just been put there a little bit. Now, I'm going to stop there, and um, I think we can hopefully all remember what's just happened there, but I want to try and bring this up to what does it feel like for us. So I've heard a lot of and listened to a, a podcast called The Mid-Faith Crisis, and exactly what its name means, it's that point that you get to in your Christian life and you don't know really what's going on. And I think most people at some point will hit that at some point. Maybe you won't. But what is happening to me in this story, you have people just like me, just like you, just like all of us. They have been following a faith 
as their culture, actually, some of them, for a long time. These two have been caught up in something that has been thrilling and exciting and really gave them hope. It really gave them hope. And something has happened that has absolutely shattered everything that they believed in. Can anybody identify with that? Something that has happened and you just think, what is this? What is this? And it actually, um, it can be a big thing that happens. It can be a big life event that can be pretty awful. Or it can be some little thing that, like a little hammer or a little thing that hits your windscreen and it makes a little crack. And that crack goes right the whole way across the windscreen. And this perfect picture, or this picture that you've built up over the years of all the Bible stories that you know, of all the things that people have said, of who you think God is, of how you think Christianity works, of who Jesus is, it comes crashing to the ground. And all you have in front of you are these bits that once formed this structure, but it's not there now, it's in the ground. That's where these guys are. And I think that's where I've definitely been at times, and I'm pretty sure many people over the last 2,000 years have been there too. And it gets a bit harder for them as well, because this I really identify with. When they go on to say about the woman, the reason I told you about uh, that Jesus Christ is alive, not an exclamation mark, they didn't find him, was for this reason, to give you the idea of how they were really feeling. You can just read that paragraph and you can see they're not in a good place. How many times, I find this really hard, when I have been struggling with stuff, and maybe friends have been struggling with stuff, but someone goes away somewhere, they maybe go to a conference or a retreat, or they read a book, they just do something and then they come back and they say guess what this is amazing and then you have that glimmer of hope we think if I go if I do that I'm going to come back like that too maybe I will and you go or you read the book or you sing the song and it didn't it didn't make a difference and you're thinking why why did they get that and I didn't you know where is he that's where I think these two traveling on the road to Emmaus were. And I, I just want to ask, can anybody identify with that? Can anybody at all? Ident Stick your hand up if you can identify with that, yeah? Now and again, you've had those, those moments. Really, it, yeah, I think it's very real. And that's why reading this stuff means so much to me, because I can see our lives in here. But there's two questions I just want to ask you. So we've looked at those verses, and we've looked at them from the point of the men. Or, actually, it might be a woman, a woman and a man, or two men, whoever it is. But let's look at it just from Jesus. Now, remember, from Jesus' point of view, they don't know who he is. He is a random stranger, total random stranger. But we know who he is, so that's a bit of the spoiler. First of all, did they invite Jesus to come and talk to them? Yes or no? No, they didn't, did they? Second, if here is no faith and here is full faith, so this is 10 and this is zero, where were they on that scale at that point, faith-wise? We going rock bottom? Right, next question. Did that matter to Jesus? Did he care that they had no faith? Does that not reassure, does that not give a bit of encouragement to some of us? He wasn't invited. 
They had no faith, and Jesus turns up. I think that's quite cool. Right. Let's go on to the next bit. Okay. So verse 25, then Jesus said to them, he does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning themselves. That word foolish, it pretty much is in all the translations, but some are even better, saying, oh, deficient of mind. That's my favorite one. Oh, you deficient of mind. Um, Just to let you know, so that we understand, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. That was literally what Jesus' dad did the other week. Only the, only the Old Testament, not the New Testament bit, obviously. So we literally went Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and numerous prophets. But he brought himself out of it, and he made it all alive to them. So that's how much they did. And he doesn't tell them. So just look at this. This is the only bit where you get him talking about that particular thing. It doesn't say exactly what he said. It doesn't say, hang on, guys, your chief priests are rubbish, and they told you all the wrong things. That's not what it says. He just starts and he tells them. Let's go on to verse 28 to 32. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him to stay. Stay the night with us. It's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, it's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. So it's pretty clear from that bit, they didn't really want him to go. And you see where it says, didn't our hearts burn within us? I'm going to talk a bit more about this. This is just to give you a bit of background. That word explained the scriptures to us. It doesn't mean taught, lectured, made us remember. It actually means... He opened our minds to something that we never knew was true before. It's the first time that you realize the truth behind something. And they had that on the road. So the biggest things out of that, there's so much in that little bit of of the story that actually, for me, that's the main part of the story. And I would love to have known what Jesus said to them. I would love to have known. But I, I don't. So I want to tell you a story to try and say, just to help with understanding that a bit, because I know what it feels like to suddenly have that light bulb moment switched on. And I just want to encourage you from where I was to where I am. So I went to a Christian conference that I didn't, I went because I was tired and it had free childcare. Um, this is true, this is actually true. At the point in time, a few years before that, 
I had sat in a really good church and I had said to myself, is this it? Is this what being a Christian is? Is it a successful life? Is, is a successful life a job? Is it having a flat? Um, I come to a decent church. We have church twice on the Sundays. I go to house group on a Thursday. I sing at the front every Sunday. Is this it? And the reason I asked the question is because they decided to do a course in evangelism. And I remember just sitting there thinking, what am I inviting people into? Am I inviting them into coming to church twice on a Sunday? Because actually that can be quite boring. Um, And I remember thinking, I can't answer somebody if they ask me what the good news is. I actually don't know what it is. So when I went to this Christmas Christmas Christian conference, that's where I was. Um, Free childcare, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. It was a big tent. Nobody was going to see me. Andy was off doing something else, so I really was my own. And I had a phone, a new phone. I'd never used one, so I had planned for two hours learning how to use a smartphone. And then they announced, this is really bad, isn't it, going to a Christian conference? But this is where I was. Uh, they announced a speaker, and I'm, I'm going to have to say this, because this, this, is, this is worth saying. They announced it as a woman, and my first reaction was, oh, no, it's a woman. How does a woman know how to teach? I actually thought that because that's what I'd be brought up in the culture of. And I, I really did think, I'm not going to learn anything from her, am I? And I am so sorry for that, but that's how far away I was from everything. And the next thing, they announced the topic, which was the Apostles' Creed. And I thought, oh, well, I learned that in Sunday school, so there's nothing new you're going to tell me there. And even saying it, it sounds really arrogant. I looked down at my phone and she started to speak and within minutes, the words were really hitting me because she started to explain about a God who I didn't recognise. She was talking about adoption as sons. And at the time, we, our, our oldest had just started at Beast and Free. And I could, I'd, we started to make friends with a lot of people around us. And their faces flashed before my eyes. And because you get to know people's lives, don't you? Everybody's got stuff going on in their lives. And, and I sat there and went, if they knew that, if they actually knew that's what God thought of them, that would make a real difference. And I kept thinking this and kept thinking this. And that's when, that's when I realized that good news actually meant that. That was the good news. And it was like a light bulb moment when I actually thought, oh my goodness, it is actually good news. This is good news. That's what happened to them. And that's what happened to them in the road. So what actually happened was Jesus had come in uninvited with no faith from anybody And he saw the broken pieces in front of him. If they were lying there in front of me, he saw the broken pieces of their faith, of their beliefs, everything that had held them up and was now in tatters. And he started to pick them up. And one by one, he puts the pieces back together. But he doesn't put them back together in the way they were before. He puts them in the way they were meant to be all along. And when he starts to put the pieces back together, they start to see what it actually is all about. And I think when they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Has he actually got us to understand what the heck this was actually all about? So much so that they get up in nighttime on a road in the Middle East 2,000 years ago in the night and run the whole way back to Jerusalem, seven miles, because they're like, we need to tell them what happened. This is amazing. And that's what that I get 
Because you see, when you hear that good news and you realize that Jesus actually is for the people, is for them, and that maybe that stuff that you learned before that made it sound like he wasn't, maybe that wasn't right, Jesus has just breathed life into something that just changes every single thing for you. I think that's, I think that's good news. Does anybody think that's good news? That is really, really good news. Um, there's a thing in this that people often, uh, they, they do talk a little bit about this story. and They say, why was, why was Jesus disguised? Not disguised. Why did they not recognize Jesus? Now, it doesn't tell us why they didn't recognize Jesus. So I'm just going to tell you why I think uh, they didn't recognize Jesus. I haven't read any books about this. If they recognized Jesus, I'm not sure how much they would actually have listened to. That's the first thing. But what you see happening here is through what was a random stranger for the whole of that walk to them, they didn't know him. They heard Jesus. They heard him. Didn't see him, but they heard him. Jesus was on the earth about 40 more days after that, and after that he wasn't seen. He was heard. They got what we have. We don't usually, some of us may have visions at times, but the vast majority of us won't. But what I think is one of the best things about this story is I, I just wonder, did God, I know he does do things in purpose, but you know, like really in purpose so that 2,000 years down the line we can go, they heard Jesus and it made sense and it brought it to life and it actually is good news. And for me, that's one of the greatest takeaways of this story is that uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, because you know when Jesus went back, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not less than Jesus. And often through my church life, he has been shoved to the side a bit because we've been a bit scared of what he might do or he might sound a bit dodgy. The Holy Spirit is not less than Jesus. The Holy Spirit can bring the words in here to life. He can bring it through a random-looking stranger in the street. He can bring it uninvited. He can bring it with no faith whatsoever. And possibly my biggest encouragement is through friends who have been willing to ask difficult questions about what we have all believed in, stuff we've been brought up with, stuff we might have heard recently. They've been willing to not be frightened and say, I can't say that or I'll sound heretical. I might sound a bit dodgy. I can't ask that question because everything there is to know about Jesus has already been known and you can't teach me anything else. These friends have had I guess the guts. We've had talks around my kitchen table in the jacuzzi at the village, um, walking in Attenborough. A lot of them are here today. They've not been easy talks all the time, but we have thrashed stuff through, and through what they've said to me and how we've talked to each other, there's many times when the Holy Spirit has actually come through. And very often we've ended up at bits of the Bible going, what do you think he meant? What do you think that was about? Why did he say that? And I think that is part of what this story is about. You are going to go on through life in the next 2,000 years after this. The disciples, well, you've, you've 60 more years of history in the, in the New Testament. 
Most of those letters in the New Testament are teaching the new group of believers truths about Christ, but always, always saying, guys, you've got to work this out in the Holy Spirit. You've got to work this out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we go on, I think in the next few months, we're going to continue to look at the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is the one teaching us through these words, and it's not just through these words, it's through these words when we interact with each other together as a community, together as friends, together in the unexpected as well. I think that is when Jesus speaks to us and lives get changed. And you know something? When those pieces start to get put back together again, you start to see good news. And it is something that is worth telling. And I've wanted to tell you that for ages because um, it's the only good news that I have, honestly. Whatever you think about God that is not good, it's probably not right. So I, my biggest prayer for us as a church is that we will really, really embrace the heart of this story where you hear Jesus and you don't worry if you've no faith at that time. You don't worry if people think you're dodgy and you're grappling with what is going on in your life and it looks like you're doubtful. You don't worry about that because Jesus does not worry about that. He comes in and he will meet you. And for all those who've had those conversations with me, please keep doing that and I'm grateful for you. And I think that is my biggest prayer for our church today. There is more than this. That's all I'm going to say. There is more than this. So can I pray for us? A second, would anybody else like to pray? Me? Okay. Jesus, thank you that there is more. Thank you that you are not sitting there going, you're wrong, I'm not talking to you. Thank you that you do want to breathe your life into us, that you want to bring these words to life. Thank you that this is good news, that this is worth telling, and I'm not ashamed to tell people how good you are. Thank you that you are so good, that you don't take it out in us when we struggle, that you love us passionately, that you are that shepherd who has their arms out going, let me show you how much I love you. Because that is something worth telling about. Father, bear with us, as I know you will, as we continue to walk through life and things get tough. And we have to come back and go, fill us with the Holy Spirit again. We're struggling. We're just struggling. And thank you for the people that you've put around us, who speak to, who you speak through to us. Amen.